0: news and this is the punch out we're following the news all day so you don't have to giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be On today's episode of The Punch-Out here on November 6, 2020, all sorts of important critical information for you here. We've got some just ridiculousness from the right wing in Bolivia, some very ridiculous and extremely racist actions coming from the New York City Police Department. And we'll be talking, first of all, about, well, Mr. Trump and where exactly he is this election as everybody saw we won by historic numbers and the pollsters got it knowingly wrong they got it knowingly wrong we had polls that were so ridiculous and everybody knew it at the time there was no blue wave that they predicted they thought there was going to be a big blue wave that was false it was done for suppression reasons but instead there was a big red wave And it's been properly acknowledged, actually, by the media. They were, I think, very impressed. And that's the sound of a man who has lost all his friends. Yes, that's right. That was President Trump's speech from last night. He was there at the White House. Many expected the speech to be fiery and defiant, but instead it ended up kind of like throwing a wet blanket on the ardor of his closest supporters who were out launching small but vigorous protests in his defense. More notably, though... After the speech, and quite frankly, even before, it seems as if his true core supporters are just dropping off like flies. Just after the speech, in fact, Fox News anchor Brett Bayer openly questioned Trump's claim, saying he hadn't seen really any evidence. And I have to say, any evidence of voter fraud, that is. And I have to say, we were— I don't really know why. I guess we're masochists here. Watching Fox News all day yesterday A Breakthrough and that was quite a bit of a theme both yesterday and today on Fox. Many guests and many anchors openly questioning whether Trump had any evidence of the massive voter fraud that he certainly is claiming and some people even outright claimed that he didn't have it. And this is Fox News. The Las Vegas Review-Journal owned by Sheldon Adelson who spent $75 million in the final weeks of the election for Trump. The editorial page there stated flat out that Trump's claims of voter fraud not only seemed bogus, but that it even seemed pretty normal in terms of the delays. Ben Shapiro of WAP fame outright said that the president had not won re-election and that it was irresponsible for him to claim that he had. The New York Times reported on election night, The Republican governor of Arizona allegedly called the Trump team where they were gathered with 400 people in a small room in the midst of a pandemic. And he told them, well, look, we have a lot of votes out. Don't panic. We we probably won this thing. I gotta be honest with you, since then we haven't heard much of anything meaningful for him on this issue. In fact, very few Republican officials of any sort seem to be putting much on the line for Trump. In fact, it's so obvious Republicans aren't in the tank for Trump on this voter fraud issue, this stealing of the election issue that Raheem Kassam, formerly of Breitbart and now co-host of a podcast with Steve Bannon was on Twitter telling people, call your representatives, call your representatives, demand they defend Trump. So, clearly it's not happening. A range of far-right Trump lovers are also just abandoning the GOP outright, demanding a new right-wing party and say, forget Trump, let's turn the page. Now, none of this is really all that surprising when you look at what's going on. Even in Trump's lengthy attempt last night to list off all these elements of things that appeared to be voter fraud, it just didn't amount to much. And honestly, even if a good chunk of it was true, none of it even seemed to be at the level of the number of votes to even really affect the outcomes. And on top of that, in most states that are at issue, where counting is going on, it's clear the results are trending towards Biden and that the post-election mail-in ballots aren't even really playing a huge role. It seems like many people sort of knew Trump was going to claim this and got their ballots in on time. So Trump certainly has a flurry of lawsuits in the pipeline, but most of them really seem like Hail Marys. Clearly, a range of powerful forces have decided to do nothing at all to defend Trump. And honestly, for the right-wing elements of the ruling class, who never really supported Trump anyway, at least in a major way beyond a handful of individuals, they already got a lot out of them, from tax cuts to to right-wing judges and so on and so forth. The elimination of pretty much every regulation on any corporation that would ever help average everyday people from having their lives destroyed. So from their point of view, why risk the stability of the country, even on the outside Side chance that there could be some, you know, truth here to Trump, why risk the stability of the country, the possibility of some armed clashes, and don't forget stability is crucial for profits, just in order to mount an attempt that seems almost destined to fail and destined to appear to be a blatant stealing of the election, particularly when even Trump's grassroots supporters don't seem terribly moved to come into the streets or do much of anything at all. The reality is, as much as Trump tried to say he was against the deep state and against the big dome, and against all rich people, shockingly. He ultimately leaned very heavily on the ultra-rich in his first campaign and once he was president. He had Boeing lobbyists in there. He had big oil in there, Wall Street bankers, Hollywood execs. He had Steve Mnuchin, who was a Wall Street banker and a Hollywood exec. And of course, Jared Kushner, the king of the scumbag landlords. They were all over his administration. He pursued an agenda that those sorts of people love, low taxes, huge military budgets, fracking, and just anything that sounds terrible. They Seem to want to do it. They may have loved how Trump was doing, but they didn't love the messaging. They thought maybe it was problematic. They were willing to deal with it. But now that Trump doesn't seem to be able to win, they are more than happy to walk away from him with a divided government that will continue to favor the wealthiest interests over working and poor people, just without all the triumph, the insult, comic dog stuff that Trump usually was bringing to the table. So, end of the day, seems like a win win. If you're a billionaire member of the ruling elite. I got one of those, you just can't make this up sort of stories for you. And in this one, the New York police officer, NYPD officer in charge of the anti-harassment unit that's responsible for preventing and addressing workplace harassment among cops was seemingly caught on an anonymous NYPD message board posting a vast range of racist tweets under the handle of Clouseau. And in a nice... Turn on that one. An investigation by the city council found that through a range of information in the various posts, uh, that this guy, Deputy Inspector James Cobell, basically outed himself and that he was the one who was behind it. As the New York—and I should say for the record that James Cobell is denying that he said any of this. The message board was the rant. But just to move right into it, as the New York Times outlines the city council investigation, this guy, James Cobell, Deputy Inspector, NYPD, head of the anti-harassment unit, among other things, said, quote— that President Barack Obama was a Muslim savage. Also, he called the Bronx District Attorney Darcel D. Clark a gap-toothed wildebeest. Wow. <laughs> I just, wow. Okay. And further, he went on to say that Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, a Somali-American Democrat, of course, I'm just quoting from the Times here, uh, he called her a filthy animal. And another post labeled Dante de Blasio, that's the black son of Mayor Bill de Blasio, people may remember from some of the ads, he called him a Brillo head. <laughs> I should, you don't even know where to go with this It is the anti-harassment unit guy uh, So yeah there it is This is the guy Head of the NYPD's Internal anti-harassment unit Now again Just so he doesn't sue us This guy Kobold says that it was not him Here's his excuse He says that he is being set up By someone who hates him well, the NYPD has an internal investigation going on. Don't know how much faith we could put in that if this is the guy they have in charge of their anti-harassment union. And let's just remember, the NYPD union of the rank-and-file officers endorsed Trump, and they have a record of racism a mile long, including the millions of black and Latino New Yorkers who are humiliated and brutalized through stop-and-frisk. Oh, <laughs> about that stop-and-frisk. The Times also notes that on that very issue, Coble allegedly wrote... Quote, when city council speaker Corey Johnson, who is white and gay, demanded an investigation to the department's use of pedestrian stops, Clouseau wrote, Perhaps we should all take a step back from stop questioning maybe frisk until dear old Corey ends up the victim of a crime in one of the local bathhouses. That's your NYPD anti-harassment unit director. (laughs) And finally here, we want to go to a, a... troubling situation You could, is all you can really say. Last night in Bolivia, very clear provocation here. Bolivia's president-elect Luis Arce was attacked with dynamite as he was in a meeting at the MAS party headquarters. And this is coming as some right-wing groups have been attempting to launch a strike in Santa Cruz, a longtime center of Bolivia's right, which comes along with various other similar provocations, including one that killed mining leader and MAS member Orlando Gutierrez just a few days after the election. And he was one of the top youth leaders of the party. Now, it's unclear if this is going to be a, a strong effort, but what's happening in this regard certainly has shades of dirty wars that have been waged around the world, from Nicaragua to Mozambique and Jamaica, where right wing forces that can't succeed at the ballot box do everything they can using violence to undermine progressive regimes. Ali Vargas of Kawashan News joined us on Breakthrough News to talk more about the implications of this attack on Bolivia's soon-to-be president and what it means for the near future in that country. Well, Bolivia is in a tricky situation at the moment in that the mass won the elections. However, they have not yet taken power. They'll take power Luis Arce will be sworn in as president on Sunday. So what we have at the moment is the, poli- the same police force as was operating under the last government, under the coup government. Police force that led persecution against leftists. Um, so there's not, they haven't, uh, they haven't launched an investigation. They haven't made any arrests. But I think this is part of. It goes to show the way that the police and the military were politicized under the last government. And the president Luis Arce will be hoping to root out this sort of corruption, these right-wing factions that have been sort of imposed in the leadership within the police and within the military.